Welcome to Done With Debauchery, a sobriety and wellness podcast where you'll hear honest experiences about navigating life and relationships without alcohol, how to pursue your own personal wellness journey, and share intimate conversations with special guests. I'm your host, Keisha Scott. Hello and welcome back to Done With Debauchery. I hope you're having a beautiful day. This week I have a conversation with a very special guest to share with you. But first, I want to share a little story of something that happened to me last week that feels really important. Last week on the show, I mentioned my mom would be in town visiting me for a week. She's now gone home, but we had such a nice time together. My mom likes to drink and have wine in the evenings, and before I quit drinking, we would drink together. And there have been some situations in the past where we have argued or a less than ideal situation took place because of our drinking. So my mom was staying with me for the week, and before she arrived, I was feeling a lot of anxiety about the thought of her having wine, or any alcohol really, in my apartment. And I wanted to tell her that I wasn't comfortable with her having any alcohol in the apartment. But at the same time, I had this inner child part come out and I felt like I didn't have the right to ask her to not drink in my space for whatever reason. I think maybe I had a fear that she wouldn't understand why or may have thought I was being judgmental of her choices. So I never brought it up and before I knew it, she was here. And then it felt too late to bring it up because now I hadn't given her enough notice. I had so many scripts playing in my mind of how the conversation was going to be. So fast forward, she's here, she's staying with me, and everything seems to be going really well. She hasn't brought up stopping at the liquor store and we've walked by a few places where she could have stopped and bought wine if she wanted to. My mom ended up being the one to initiate this conversation with me about halfway through her trip, and she said that she didn't feel comfortable bringing alcohol into my home when I had been working so hard on my sobriety, and that she felt it just wasn't necessary. I honestly wanted to cry and hug her in that moment because I felt so seen. The biggest takeaway from this is that you should have those hard conversations with the people who love you. If you give them a chance to show up for you, you might be surprised with how well they can support you. In the end, I didn't need to have the conversation with my mom because she was so thoughtful and considerate of my sobriety and my possible comfort levels, but I had caused myself so much stress by thinking about the what-ifs and how the conversation may or may not go. From my experience, the people who love you want to support you. They just might need your help in knowing how to do that. With that being said, let's get into this week's special guest, Natalie Everhart. Natalie is the absolute sweetest. In our conversation, she shares how she went from living in a party environment and seeing sober celebrities online and thinking, that could never be me, to now being nine months sober in her mid-twenties. Her TikTok bio says, the party isn't over, it's just different, and I couldn't agree more. 
We did record this episode at the beginning of September and talked about a Sober in Toronto event on September 10th. So unfortunately, at the time that this episode is coming out, the event has already passed. But to keep up to date on future sober events in Toronto, you can follow Sober in, which is just the letter N, Toronto, on Instagram, and they should be having more community events. Okay, let's get into it. Natalie, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to chat with you. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Um, So I want to start by just finding out a little bit more about you. Um, Tell me your sobriety story. Um, I know you are also a part of the Sober City Movement's um, nonprofit. Uh, Yeah, so just tell us how, what led you to rethinking your drinking, cutting alcohol out of your life? Yeah. So I'll just start from the very beginning. So I, um, when I started drinking, I was in high school, just kind of experimenting like teenagers do. And it's, my story is interesting because it's like from the very beginning, I knew that something was off. Mm. I always seemed like I was getting the drunkest and I was always the friend in high school that was like wanting alcohol to be involved in our activities. Whereas my friends weren't so interested in that yet. So in the back of my mind, I thought this is kind of like, you know, something's different about me. I don't really know what it is, but just brushed it off. I mean, I was 16. So um, then I go to college and things progress a little bit more because my peers are now interested in alcohol too. And that was like, for me, I'm like, oh, thank God, like everyone's caught up to me. And like, they're interested in alcohol now too. So I'm not the odd one out anymore. Um, So I ended up dropping out of college after my first semester. It wasn't a good fit, but I also was just way more interested in the partying. And if I didn't take myself out, I think that the school would have taken me out. Oh, no. Academic wise. (laughs) So I kind of got ahead of the boat and just took myself out. Um, And then from there, I just continued socially drinking. So throughout my 20s, same thing as high school, I was always the friend that was getting the drunkest. I was always pushing other people to drink more. I always wanted everyone to be like on my level or a little Mm -hmm. bit drunker. And so it finally kind of all, you know, over the years, it just got worse and worse and worse. And I stopped drinking nine months ago. And it, I don't want to say I had like a, a breaking point, but I think I was like right before my breaking point. And I just woke up one day after blacking out again and telling myself the night before that that wasn't going to happen. And I had just failed myself so many times that I was like, you know what? I don't like who I am. I don't think other people like who I am. And there has to be another answer for life. Like this can't be it. And so I looked into sobriety, which was like so scary for me because I didn't know anyone that was sober. But what's interesting is that when I would hear about a celebrity being sober or a friend of a friend, I was always so enamored by their life. I was like, that's incredible, but that could never be me. Like that would never work for my lifestyle. Um, So the first thing I did was I had no idea what to do. I didn't know who to go to. Yeah. Where do you start? It just feels so overwhelming. Exactly. I like, I totally fell out of my comfort zone. So I started seeing a therapist and I 
had never been to therapy. So there was a lot to work out there over my whole life. But I told him that the reason I was coming to therapy finally was because alcohol was controlling my life. And I felt like if I kept alcohol in my life, like it was not going to be a good one. Yeah. So it, I was working with him for about six months trying to moderate and cause I really wanted to keep alcohol in my life. I just didn't know how. So we would do different exercises. Like he would have me go to a bar and not drink for the first hour that I was there and then see how I felt after if I even wanted a drink, which of course I did. <laughs> I like it's couldn't building wait up that. at that point. You're exactly. counting down the minutes. <laughs> yes. I could not wait for that hour to be over. Um, and then we would do exercises, like only have two or three drinks, but knowing myself, once I have two or three, then it's like, we're off to the races. So yeah. that wasn't going to work for me either. So finally after six months, and I really do appreciate that he let me get there by myself because I wasn't ready when I first started seeing him. Yeah. Finally, after six months, I just decided, you know, life is going to be easier and better if I just take this out completely. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations on my nine months of sobriety. Like that is huge. Thank you. <laughs> and Great. I definitely, I understand what you mean about needing that six months of trying to moderate, trying to find another solution before you can say, okay, I know 100% I need to make this change. It's a little bit of trial and error. I did the same where I tried to moderate for, it feels like years, honestly. And like, it just takes so much out of you when you start setting those rules for yourself. It does. And, you know, I don't know if you can relate, but I'm the type of person that I have to make a mistake like four or five times before it actually triggers something inside yeah. me. That's like, Oh, maybe <laughs> we should try something else here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just, and it it's exhausting. And like I mentioned, it's like you fail yourself over and over and over because I would have so many times where I tell myself before I go out, um, like tonight's going to be different. Yeah. And it's, you wake up the next day and you're like, gosh, like it happened again. And you just feel terrible about yourself. So my mental health was completely shot. My image of myself was shot. And it just, I mean, it was a terrible, terrible cycle that I was in for years. Yeah. And I relate to that so much. I went through that exact same experience and it depletes your trust in yourself when you keep setting yourself up and failing and failing and failing. It, you beat yourself up so much. And yeah, I went through the same thing. I was also seeing a therapist. So anyone listening, if you're thinking about starting therapy, do it 100%. Like it will change your life. Absolutely. Even if you think you don't need therapy, everyone needs therapy. Every <laughs> single person. <laughs> like no one is okay. We all need therapy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I started because I just had no idea where to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect though. And so you stopped drinking at 25. I did. Yeah. I was 25. I live in um, San Diego and I live in I guess what people would consider the college area of San Diego like right mm -hmm. by the beach so being sober here is seriously unheard of like yeah. I I mean it's it was terrifying because I'm, I feel like I'm in the middle of this party environment um that's all my friends did I mean that's all I did too it's no knock yeah. on them but um yeah I mean I and I knew because my therapist told me that my life was about to change completely. I mean, I, I didn't know anybody who was sober, especially my age. My idea of what someone who's sober is was 
so wrong. Yeah. Um, I just thought of, you know, like the, the old man with vodka in his coffee cup. I'm like, I'm not that. Like that's yeah, not me. I'm not that. I don't need to stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it was wild, but I will say uh, my first three months, I really isolated myself, which I do not recommend doing. Although I think that everybody who does get sober has some kind of isolation mm-hmm. period because I mean, you really have to just like figure out what's going on inside you. Um, so I, for about three months, I really isolated myself and I kind of only hung out with my boyfriend, Yeah, which again, I don't recommend because I w- it was really lonely. Um, but I was just terrified of what people were going to think. I didn't think my friends were going to hang out with me anymore. I didn't think they were going to want to be around me. I thought they were going to think I was boring or whatever. Um, but then once I started kind of integrating myself back into society, it was super nerve wracking in the beginning, but after a few weeks of like getting used to just like being the sober one at parties and figuring out what I want to drink and how to handle myself, I was totally fine. And I always, whenever I tell my, and if I'm nervous to tell someone I'm sober, I always think of how would I react if they were the one coming to me? Yeah. I would never be like, that's so weird. I don't think we're going to work out as friends. You know, it's like, I just, I can't imagine somebody saying that to me, especially people who have chosen to be my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you feel your relationships and your friendships have changed since getting sober? So they, I I feel like there's no, there's no way to keep everybody when you get sober because things change so much and it's not a hateful thing and it's not a falling out thing. People's lifestyles you will start to notice are just different when you become sober. Um, But I will say like my core friends, like my OG girls who have been with me since high school, they have stuck by my side, no problem. Um, But like you learn that sometimes people are just in your lives and all you have in common is drinking or going out and you don't really do anything outside of that. Um, So my friendships have changed a ton, to be honest. And that was actually the thing I was scared of the most with not drinking because I had this really big group of friends around me and it made me feel secure, even though I was internally extremely insecure. Um, So to lose them or not, you know, lose them, but just to kind of fade away from them because my life changed so much was terrifying. But now that I'm looking at it from a clear perspective, I'm like, you know what? I don't even think we had that much in common. And I think that they were just in my life as party people. And now, although it's terrifying to kind of start over with friendships, the friendships I'm making are so much deeper and they feel so different than the surface level friends I had before. Yeah, that's beautiful. So you're making new friends in the sober community? I am. Yeah. So I was really reluctant to do it at first because I think I was afraid of just being labeled as a sober person and not having a life outside of that. So I was like, I don't want to be like stuck in this sober community and not have any friends outside of this. Mm. But these people are, and people like you are the only people who understand what I'm going through. And it's, can be really lonely. You know, like I go to, I think of it, I go to work and I'm like, I'm the only person I know here that's sober, but I have this online community of people who I'm like, I have like 12 girls that know exactly what I'm going through. And there's just a a bond that really cannot be broken when you have that kind of connection. Yeah. It's so interesting. I feel like our stories are so similar and I really am going through the same thing. Like I just reached seven months sober uh, today and congrats. (laughs) Thank you so much. It every day is like a new milestone because it's the longest I've been alcohol free for. So 
it's incredible, but it is scary. And like, I do feel like I'm lucky. A lot of my poor relationships haven't changed. I've not really lost any friends at this point, but I don't have really any sober friends here in Toronto. So I do have that same kind of like online community of the girls that I chat with and those connections that have been made online. And so speaking of like that online community, you're part of uh, the Sober City Movement, which is a nonprofit organization. How did you get started with that? So I found Sober City Movement because when I started integrating myself back into like society and trying to figure out or trying to find sober friends, I turned to Instagram Mm -hmm. and I literally just searched sober in San Diego and um, sober in Orange County came up. And so I was like, it's close enough. It's like an hour and a half away. Yeah. And so I messaged that girl. Her name's Rachel. She's amazing. And she's like, oh my gosh, we actually have a brunch in two weeks. Like you should totally come. So I made the drive up to Orange County and had brunch. That's huge. She was like, yeah, it was, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Like there was probably 15 girls there. And they were all normal, not like I yeah. didn't think they were going to be, but you just never know what to yeah. expect. So they were all normal and it was just, people were chatting the whole time. It was amazing. So I'm like, I need to be a part of this. I need to bring this down to San Diego because San Diego is huge. And I know I'm not the only one here, even though it feels like I am. Yeah. So I reached out to um, the creator of Sober City Movement on Instagram. Her name's Alex. And I asked if she would be open to having a San Diego chapter. And she was like, yes, we've been looking for someone. This is amazing. So uh, I started Sober in San Diego. And so basically what it's an online community, although we try and have meetups at least once a month, um, and it's just a way for women to connect and doesn't matter the age, we just have like park meetups or we'll go to brunch or we'll do a book club. Um, So I feel like a lot of major cities have it now, not every single one, but if you're in a city that you're looking for connection, if you just type, you know, sober in Dallas or sober in Toronto, there, there are pages and you just reach out to them and go to their meetups. Yeah. They make it easy to, to find. Uh, So we actually just got a sober in Toronto as well. And they're having their first event. I think it's next Saturday on the 10th. So if you're listening and you're in Toronto, um, there is an event next week. So I'm planning on going to that. It'll be my first real sober event. Oh, that's awesome. You're going to love it. I mean, you get there and you're like, oh my gosh, I I cannot believe these people were in my neighborhood and I didn't even know it. I know. And it'll be so interesting, I think, to see like all these online faces in person. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. It's so great though. I know. I just, I can't speak enough about the sober community. The thing about sober people is they're accountable and they're going to be there for you no matter what. Whereas (laughs) you know, I can even speak for myself when I was drinking, like there was, you know, I could say I was going to show up for something, but there, you know, there's a 50% chance I'm not going to, because I'm yeah. over. You're not going <laughs> to get that with sober people. They're authentic and they're reliable. Yeah. And they, there's like a different capacity to like hold space to what the person is really going through with, when you have that like sober, clear mind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. I just, the only regret I have about going sober is not doing it earlier. Yeah, I feel the same way. So what do you think was holding you back from from trying to get sober earlier? Even though like 25 is so early. I know that in the US, the legal age to drink is only 21. So technically, like you had four legal years under you (laughs) before you called it. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think I drank enough in that four years for the rest of my life because it just was a lot. But um, 
I think I was terrified of the social perspective and what people thought of me, even though every time I heard of somebody that was sober, I was so envious and thought that was amazing. Um, yeah, but I just am in such, I was in such a party group and, um, I just think I was terrified that my life was going to be boring because everything I did revolved around alcohol. Like somehow we involved alcohol in the hangouts or whatever we were doing. And so I think I was just terrified and I, I was scared of what my boyfriend was going to think. I was like, oh my gosh, is he going to want to be with me? He's never, kn- he's only known me drinking. And um, little did I know our relationship was going to improve a thousand times since I stopped drinking. That's amazing. Um, but yeah. I just was terrified of of what people were going to think of me socially. But I got to a point where I was like, well, it's going to be hard to be sober, but I think it's going to be a hundred times harder to do what I'm doing because I just, it's almost like I saw my life ahead 10 years. And I was like, wow, if I continue down this path, I do not like what that looks like. I just have this image. I'm an, I'm an aunt of three nephews and I, I'm, I adore them so much. And I just had this image in my head that they were going to see, I was going to be aunt Natalie. Who's like the drunk aunt at Christmas every oh my year God. Like, does something to like ruin Christmas and I was like I don't want to be that person so I need to oh. stop now before they even can see what's going on and they just have a great perspective of me yeah and I don't know how old they are but children notice like I have two young nieces as well and they notice the people around them that are that are drinking more than they should be so they're like little sponges <laughs> Absolutely. I know. And I was like, I never want them to be uncomfortable around me or have this image of me. I just want them to see me as like a secure, safe person. Yeah. And it also can have such a big impact on what their relationship with alcohol is going to look like, like when they turn 16 or when they turn 25. So I think that's, that's amazing that you have that self-awareness and just, you want to be a better role model for them. Yeah. I mean, they just, they're I, how I feel about them. I can't even imagine how I'll feel about my role kids. And I already think about um, like conversations I will have with my future kids. And I think, you know, obviously there's not, there's nothing we can do to prevent teenagers from experimenting. Right. But mm-hmm. I think we can have conversations with them about alcohol. Um, and even if it, they just see that somebody is living a full sober life, it's just the perspective that they have that image that it is possible if they if they eventually want to do that and I'm happy to be that person for them yeah I love that and to know that it's possible because I feel like for so long it didn't even cross my mind that not drinking alcohol was just like the option and the solution to all the problems absolutely yeah wasn't even an option like I'm telling you when I first got into therapy he was like well okay so do you want to stop drinking and I'm like no, I just want to moderate. Yeah, I just want to be <laughs> now looking at back. Drinking. Exactly. Looking back, he's probably like, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if you can hear that. There's an air show going on here today. Did you hear that plane? No, oh, I don't. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're on Instagram. You're on TikTok. I was actually watching one of your TikTok videos and you said that when you drank, you had a switch that flips, that you no longer had control of alcohol. Alcohol had control of you. And I felt like that was such a powerful statement and something that so many women and so many people can relate to. It really just like takes over. Um, yeah. So we talked about your biggest fear about cutting out alcohol, how you were worried about your how your relationships were going to change um, and how you started drinking when you were around 16. So can I ask what your relationship with your family looked like? Was there drinking in your home growing up? 
And are they supportive of your sobriety now? Yeah. So there was alcohol in my home growing up. Um, it wasn't really problematic. Um, but it was kind of always involved in like holidays and stuff. I wouldn't say we were a big drinking family. Um, but I mean, there were a few instances where I did see alcohol abuse and I do think it affected me a lot, but I never really thought of it as like, you should be careful. That could be you one day. Um, but now looking back at how it, that those situations affected me as a child, I never want to make my child feel like that. So that was a huge part of me stopping the drinking at age 25. I'm like, wow, I need to cut this off long before I have children because I know how it can affect them. And I never, ever want to make my kid feel like that. Um, and I forgot what your second question was. I'm just wondering how they're supporting you now. Are they supportive of your decision? Oh, they are. Yeah. So, um, my parents are so supportive and my brother and sister-in-law, my boyfriend is like incredibly supportive. I think they didn't really, they didn't see everything that was going on. They live on the East coast and I live on the West coast. So obviously the image that I gave them was a very like, um, cookie cutter image of what my life looked like. So they didn't see mm. the day to day or the weekend to weekend blacking out all the time and the struggles I went through. Cause I don't want to call my mom on a Sunday and be like, I think I'm struggling with alcohol. Yeah. In tears. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just wanted them to think everything was okay. And really my life was crumbling around me. Um, and I think that they knew more than I thought they knew. I think I thought I was holding it together, but you know, they're not dumb. So when I first came to them and I was like, I think I want to stop drinking. I think they were shocked and I don't know if they, I think they thought I was being a little bit dramatic maybe. Um, but now, I mean, they're so supportive and they can see, I think it took a little bit of time for them to see how much my life has changed and how much I've grown as a person over just nine months. I mean, the, the amount of progress I've made in nine months is really what should have happened probably from 21 to 25, but whatever, at least it's happening now. <laughs> um, but I think they saw that and they were like, wow, this really is improving her life a lot. So this was the right decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm the first person in my family to take the step of sobriety. So I think it was shocking for them, especially at a young age. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But that's amazing that you have their support. And you mentioned your relationship with your boyfriend has also improved significantly. Uh, so does he drink still? He does. Yeah, he still drinks. I never asked him not to, you know, in the beginning, when I first stopped drinking, it was really, you go through a million emotions, as you know, and everything you've pushed off for however many years is going to come up a lot of times in that first year. So it is a lot. I cried yeah. a lot and I'm a cancer. So I cry a lot all the time. Oh. <laughs> so he was like, I, I mean, he is just amazing. The fact that he dealt with that is, and with such grace, but in the first few months when I stopped drinking and he kept drinking, I had these feelings of envy and jealousy. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that's what it was until I brought it up in therapy. And, you know, my therapist said to me, you can't get upset with him at drinking. If his drinking's not a problem, like your drinking problem is not his drinking problem. So if his drinking is not a problem, then you shouldn't have a problem with it. And I was like, wow, that's so true. And that totally changed my perspective of everything. Um, but I will say like me getting sober, he's cut back a ton. Like we used to go out all the time together. So obviously we're not going out nearly as much. So he's not going out nearly as much, um, but he's become way more mindful of his drinking at home as well. Um, and he's just so great. Like we, um, 
he'll buy me non-alcoholic beers that he finds at the store. And he's just so supportive. He'll send me things like on Instagram. He's like, Oh, did you see this non-alcoholic beer? So he's just become way more mindful, but it feels like a different relationship. It really does. I will say like our relationship was on the rocks. I mean, I didn't think we were going to make it if I continued drinking and thank God I stopped because it feels like a different relationship. I can just tell like everything is just so much better. And I, I feel so silly for thinking that he wouldn't like me when I was sober. He's like, no, I like you way better, actually. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is better. <laughs> That's so amazing. Of course, you're going to have those fears. It's like, you don't even really know probably who you are without alcohol. So how is someone going to love you when you don't even know who that person is? Exactly. But I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was scared. I was scared of finding out who I was. So I was scared he wasn't going to like me, but yeah. Yeah. And that's good. And I think from his perspective too, like, it's not really so fun to like go out and get drunk by yourself if the person you're with is not drinking and you can have like the same amount of fun, if not more when you're sober. So that's awesome. And so you're drinking non-alcoholic beer. Uh, are you into mocktails? You know, I, I am a little bit, I, I think I'm more into the non-alcoholic beers because it feels like a real drink. Um, yeah. mocktails to me, um, I like, so I love, loved margaritas. That's like the drink I probably miss the most. Yeah. So I love getting non-alcoholic margaritas or making them at home. I mm-hmm. just started using the ritual products, which are really great. Nice. I want to try the tequila. Oh, it's so great. It, it really like, it almost is like confusing because it smells and tastes like tequila. I had one of my, um, friends who does still drink. I had her do a little taste test and she was like, this is insane. Like if you gave me this in a shot, I'd have no idea. It was not real to yeah. So it's great. Um, but I, I love, I do love beer. Um, but the non-alcoholic beers, like, especially in a party environment or some kind of social event, it really feels like you're not missing out on anything because you're holding the can and it tastes exactly the same. I have a funny story. I was at a uh, barbecue and I brought Heineken zeros and I just kept them in the fridge. I had like three of them, but it was a six pack. And the host of the the barbecue was getting like a little bit toasted towards the end. And she grabbed a Heineken Zero and she had no idea it was a Heineken Zero. Like she Perfect, definitely thought it was like <laughs> I know. And I just like, my boyfriend and I like made eyes and we just had kind of like a laugh with each other. I'm like, you know what? It's actually probably a good thing. That she's yeah, she needs that. Zero. She needs that right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I also saw, I feel like a stalker. I'm like, I also saw on your TikTok, <laughs> you're, you're looking for a pumpkin beer. And so, I am. so I saw last night, literally after I watched your TikTok, that Libra is just came out with, do you have Libra in the States? They're a non-alcoholic beer company. So I saw that as well, but they don't deliver to California. Oh no, maybe I can mail you some because I can get it. Oh my gosh. I would like praise you if you did that. Yeah, because so I love fall. I'm like, I just love fall so much. And pumpkin beer, I discovered it a couple of years ago at this bar, they served it with like a cinnamon sugar rim. And it just, it, it sounds really gross, but it's delicious. If you like pumpkin, it does sound sugar. quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely is interesting, but it, it's like a great fall flavor. Um, and this is like the first thing I feel like I've had a really hard time finding a non-alcoholic version of it. Everything else, um, like the beer and you can get the mocktails and stuff. But this yeah. is the one thing where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really would love this, but I saw that Libra has it. So if you're in Canada and you want to try it, Libra has one. I'll send it to you. Honestly, if you want to try it, we'll chat after if you want. And I'm happy to oh, send it. Oh, I would you. love I'll that. Oh my them. gosh. Yeah. You would make my whole season. It's so funny. I went to this, um, 
like really it's called Bevmo. It's like a really big like liquor store market. And uh, they had like seven different kinds of pumpkin beer. No, non-alcoholic no. pumpkin ones. I'm like, oh my gosh, such a tease. Yeah, I, I don't know if like pumpkin beer is going to be to my taste. I'm not into <laughs> like the non-alcoholic cocktails. Like I was never really a big beer drinker, but there mm-hmm. is a non-alcoholic Cronenberg Blanc, which is kind of, it's like a white like wheat beer. So it's a little more fruity, not that typical beer, like hoppy taste. And I love those. They're so good in the summer, but I'm not sold on the pumpkin. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to try it. <laughs> I know. I'll I'll get one for myself as well. <laughs> Perfect. So is there anything that you wish that more people knew about giving up alcohol or something that you wish you knew before you made the transition? Wow, that's a great question. I think I wish I knew that my life was going to be a hundred times better than it was before. Um, you know, I you, I hear the saying all the time, you have to choose your hard. And like, it's hard to wake over, wake up hungover every Sunday and be so upset with yourself. It's hard to be sober, but I would pick this hard a thousand times over. Now that I know what it's like, I would say like, just give it a shot because you're never going to know unless you try it. And my whole goal with my TikTok page is really just to show people like you can live a full and normal life. You don't have to be this hermit who doesn't drink, who doesn't have any friends at all. Like you Mm -hmm. actually can live a better life sober and you can be young and do it and you can set this example for people. So I, I think I just wish I knew like things are actually going to be a thousand times better. You just, you just have to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's such great advice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, what's the best way if somebody wants to connect with you or follow along with your sobriety journey, where can they find you? So I post a lot of sobriety stuff on TikTok. My handle is girl gone mild. Love that. Um, and then I always, <laughs> thank you. I always encourage people to reach out to me on Instagram. I answer every single message. I may send you a voice message. So don't be weirded out. I do it to a lot of people. So my Instagram is just my first and last name. It's Natalie Everhart. Um, I check my messages all the time. So if you're struggling or you're just curious, please message me. I'm happy to chat with anyone ever. Perfect. And I'll, I'll tag both your accounts uh, in the show notes for the episode so people can find you. Awesome. Oh, this was so great. I love having conversations with people who understand me. <laughs> me too. Thank you so much for taking the time. This is Keisha signing off on another episode of Done With Debauchery. If you liked what you heard, please share and subscribe. You can also find me at donewithdebauchery.com or follow along on Instagram at Done With Debauchery. Thanks for listening.